0: Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to the NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard and what a Monday it is. A lot to talk about. A lot happened over the weekend. A lot of good things happened. If you're a Mississippi State Bulldog, you had a good weekend. Despite some bad weather, and we're going to get into some of that too, despite the bad weather, we had over 30,000 people. Show up for Mississippi State baseball, thirty thousand. That's pretty cool. Says a lot about our our team, about our program, about our fan base. Not a big crowd at a spring game, and it's one of those things. The weather really kind of subdued a lot of that. But it's weird. One of those weird things, and I've, I've shared that on the show a couple of times. It just kind of seems like football is kind of working in the background a little bit right now, and I, I kind of like that. I, I kind of like how nothing's really magnified or you know, there's not a lot of pressure and there's not a lot of scrutiny right now. Everybody's just kind of, you know, we're, we're focused on baseball. You know, we're, we're focused on this great team we have. We've been focused on men's and women's basketball, and, and Joe Moorhead and his crew just kind of working behind the scenes kind of quietly, and uh, I, I will submit to you, based on my review of the spring game, and, there, and it will be replayed Tuesday night, so if you missed it, if you weren't able to, uh, to attend the game or you were at baseball, you will be able to watch the Mississippi State spring game uh, on Tuesday evening. I believe it's being replayed at 9 o'clock on the SEC Network. You'll be able to watch for yourself. But um, my review of the spring game may not be quite as bad as some others, but there are some things that are concerning that I wanted to talk about. And, and some of the same problems we had a year ago and the year before are still kind of lingering on. And that's something that's going to have to be addressed in fall camp. We'll get into all of that. Uh, but again, big show today. A lot of good things to talk about. A lot of fun things to talk about. We'll give some reality too. You know, it's one of those things too. We don't want to get we don't want to get on that pink cloud. You know what I'm saying? So let's 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 uh, let's deal in facts and not necessarily in emotion. I want to thank our fine sponsors, uh, Stan Ray and, and Miss Kathy Brown. They are institutions at Campus Bookmart. But I would be remiss. If I did not mention the lovely and talented Susie that that basically runs the show down there in the uh, in the memorabilia shop, w- went by there on uh, I guess it was Saturday. Yes, went by Saturday with uh, with my son and and uh, and daughter-in-law and bought them some Mississippi State gear. And uh, I was told, I was instructed that um, that I needed to give Susie a little more press on the show because that we have our Boneyard listeners going in asking to speak to Miss Kathy and Stan. And kind of overlooking the lovely and talented Susie. And so, when you're in there, she waited on me, f- fabulous as always. So when you're in there, go by there and check them out. You're going to find so many great things to choose from. And let me let me tell you this: the new Vintage Vault stuff, and and I I love seeing that stuff around campus. Matter of fact, bought my son a uh, a Walking Bully uh, pullover and T-shirt. But you can get the new Swinging Bully. They have they have brought that back out of the archives. It is available for a limited time. You can go get that. They've got it right there at the front counter. As soon as you walk into Canvas bookmark, you'll see it. T-shirts to the right. And right there to the left, you've got uh you got your uh your, your pullover. So go get the Swinging Bully and, and forget the fact that he's hitting cross-handed. That, that doesn't really matter. That's ours. But uh, not nice nice stuff there. Man, right? You can go get what you want. The latest in Mernier White fashions right there. And if you can't make it to town, the uh, the crew at Campus Book Mart will take care of you. Go go visit campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and get free shipping on all orders over fifty dollars. So before we get into the uh, to the meat and potatoes of the show, let's let's talk about something that's really important, and uh, that is the tornadic activity that we had uh, here. In Starkville and, and uh, around the Golden Triangle area, and, and um, our thoughts and prayers are with those folks over in Hamilton, Mississippi. I've got some people that are close to me that, uh, you know, that are that are from Hamilton. Those of you that have been uh, been on Gene's page forever, you know, Hank Adams. We call him Hank in real life. He's Henry. Henry is a uh, is a Hamilton, Mississippi guy, and uh, you know, dealing with the loss of services out there, the loss of power, loss of internet. But you know, but his losses are minor compared to what some other Mississippians are dealing with today. Uh, and again, I've got some other people with connections out there in Hamilton. It's one of those things, every time there's something that happens in Mississippi, all, it, at some point, all of us have a connection to somebody. Uh, and we are very fortunate here in Starville that things were not worse. I read uh, earlier today before taking to the air that uh, had the uh, there were two tornadoes that touched down on Tibahawk County. And uh, the one that brushed by Blackjack Road, if it had gone a mile west, it would have gone right to the heart of the Mississippi State campus. And that's a place that we all love and care for, and uh, we certainly don't want any harm to come to the university, and certainly to our students and professors and wonderful staff members that uh, that make Mississippi State such a wonderful place. But we never want anybody, Mississippi State or otherwise, to have to deal with a loss of life and property and all the things that go along with that. And so when these things happen, and it's one of those things that I've shared with a couple of people, it's like there's no reasoning with the storm you know what I'm saying it's like you, you can't call time out and say hey wait a minute I, I, I paid my hurricane insurance premium or, or wait a minute you know you know the good that I've done in my life listen when natural disasters and state of emergencies hit they are no respecter of persons and so I share that number one to identify with folks that, uh, that are, they're dealing with these things because at some point I think we've all dealt with some of this uh, but we're very fortunate that it was not worse it could have been a a very very uh, major major issue, and then there were some issues in the cotton district, and and it's caused some controversy. I'm not going to get into a lot of that, uh, but one of the things that I'm going to encourage young people, and I know there's a lot of young people to listen to the show, is you need to take some personal accountability for yourself. Okay, and and I'm not saying that to let anybody else off the hook. Okay, about anything that they've done, but be responsible for yourself. And and I I remember being 19, 20, 21 years old. And, uh, you know, wanting to go out and have a good time and you think nothing bad's going to happen, you know, and more times than not, you're absolutely correct. But when we're in a tornado warning, running out to the bar is probably not the best of ideas, okay? And be that as it may, when there are people involved, you know, we don't want to push our, our patrons out into, into harm's way. And there have been some statements made about all that stuff. I'm not going to, you know, weigh in on lot of that stuff just because I, I don't want to say or do anything that, that's harmful to our community, We have a great place here in Starkville. We love Mississippi State. We love the people of Starkville. This is where I've always wanted to be. And this is where I'll be, I guess, until they put me in a nursing home. But the reality of things is I don't wanna see any of you guys get banged up. I don't wanna see anybody hurt. I don't wanna see anybody's businesses damaged. I don't wanna see anybody's life changed. And so be responsible, take care of yourself, ensure that you are where you need to be and not putting yourself in harm's way. And everybody, just about everybody today has a smartphone with that weather app. Just about everybody's got it. And so when you get those notifications, take that stuff for real. Don't just think, okay, it'll all be okay. It'll all be okay. Those are famous last words. I mean, honestly, those are famous last words. Take some personal accountability. But, uh, again, it's good that we're all able to be here and to kind of be a little bit miffed at one another about that sort of thing and not dealing with the you know tragic loss of life because there were some people just a county or two over that lost their lives and that should kind of serve as a wake-up call to people too and one of the things that i I shared this on twitter too you kind of find out who you care about and who cares about you when that kind of stuff happens and i'm so grateful i had all of my children in the house with me you know my daughter lives uh you know off off campus and she was home visiting her brother and and, uh, and, and sister in law and so they were here when it all hit. So I had the safety of knowing that my children were safe. But many of our Mississippi State parents in other states and other cities, you know, they they are kind of freaking out because they're seeing this whole thing unfold on social media that hey, we've got a tornado headed for campus. And listen, a lot of the a lot of the alerts and a lot of the stuff on social media proved to be a little bit inaccurate, but I would rather it be inaccurate in, in you know on the side of safety than the other way around because there were a lot of things that were reported that were not exactly accurate but i was able to lay hands on my children there are many other parents i know that were like you know what we're trying to find out what's going on and and um it's just one of those deals where when you get that text message or direct message back and says hey hey, i'm okay dad i'm, I'm good we're good mom i'm safe don't worry there there is not an anxiety in life i think that uh that eases was a greater relief than that than knowing that your children are okay, uh, and, and and thankfully we've got uh, you know cell phone and technology like that today. I, I can't imagine what our you know what our grandparents went through when when these issues arose, and they were separated from their loved ones. And everybody's burning up the party line, right? Trying to find out and make sure that everybody's okay. But all that being said, uh, grateful that everybody is okay. Grateful that uh, that the fine folks. And Starkville well, made it through relatively unscathed. Some people had some damage, but nothing, uh, nothing life-changing. Thank goodness. When I to our our friends at Bulldog Burger Company saw um, Abby Hunt, our our, our great, our, and I, I mean great, great with a capital G, our great media contact for uh, for women's basketball, Abby, was at Bulldog Burger when all this began to kind of break out. And uh, the fine folks at Bulldog Burger said, "You know what? Hey, you guys come in." And they they had people go into the restrooms. They you know they provided shelter and got everybody away from those glass windows and that's one thing too listen a lot of these restaurants and places like that and and you know bars and stuff like that especially on, on university drive they're going to be glass filled you don't want to be near glass okay you want to be out of that you want to remove yourself from that but Ian Few and our friends at Bullock Burger Company they took care of everybody and um you know hey you guys don't have to go anywhere and uh again it's, it's great to be able to affiliate with people like that and uh so very very grateful uh, that Abby was taken care of, and um, don't know how we'd feel if something happened to her. Just absolutely love her, and uh, and our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I was there just last week, and and uh, it's one of those things when you go in. There's so many people too that when I when they come to town to see me, I've got friends passing through, or whatever. Uh, on business and they want to go have lunch everybody says hey let's go to bulldog burger that place you're always talking about and uh it's a place you should be talking about as well so many great options to choose from one of the great delicacies in life is that great restaurant quality hamburger we encourage you to go partake in that at bulldog burger company and find your own favorites at bulldog burger bulldog burger company the place in stark where people go to meet m-e-a-t if you hear some roaring in the background it's because i believe my neighbor uh, across the way here, across the back 40, has gotten his vehicle stuck. And uh, so they're dealing with that, and uh, I'm, I am not. So be that as it may, let's get into some Mississippi State baseball. Then we'll talk some spring game stuff. Um, baseball, big weekend. We, we we all, going into the week, said we need to find a way to go 4-0 this week. At worst case, we needed to win the series. But if we were going to take a step forward and be real contenders – in the Southeastern Conference race, we had to sweep the series and kind of make up for uh, – and I think we'll still be making up for that, that lost LSU. That still smarts to me. It still makes me angry that we lost that, especially with LSU dropping a series to Missouri this weekend. But the bottom line is State took care of business this week. Now Mississippi State ranked a uh, number two and number three team in the country. UCLA still hanging on number one. They went 4-0 last week. Uh, State 4-0 as well. Uh, but let's take a look at some of the guys that were hot last week. For the first time on our, our Who's Hot segment, Jake Mangum not listed. But uh, but here are your numbers. And I won't run the whole list. I'll just kind of run the regulars. Jake Mangum, 5 of 18 last weekend. Jake did take uh, sole possession of second place on the SEC career hits list. He is now at, uh, I guess, what, 344? 8 behind Eddie Furness. 8 behind Eddie Furness. You'd like to think Jake's got a real chance to catch that this week. But only 5 hits last week. 5 of 18. 5 of 18, and Jake had been hot. And it wasn't like Jake was striking. He, even though he did have a K on the weekend, uh, Jake blistered some balls against Alabama, just kind of right at some people. And uh, that's just kind of how baseball is sometimes. But uh, we know what to expect from Jake. But 5 of 18 last week, Jordan Westbrook 5 of 14. Your, your big hitter last week, Tanner Allen. And man, how exciting it is to say that. Tanner Allen, 10 of 17. I think it's pretty safe to say that he's off the schneid, as they say. Uh, 10 of 17, we spoke with Tanner yesterday. You can watch that video in its entirety over on Gene's page for free. You can go watch that. It's up there right now for you to, 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 to enjoy, along with interview with JT Ginn and Coach Chris Almonis. It's all free, right there for you. Elijah McNamee, 4 of 16 on the week. Justin Foskew, 7 for 17. And uh, Justin Foscue, it's gotten to the point now that I almost expect a home run a game from him. You know what I'm saying? It's like – Every time that he's up to up the to, up to plate, I, I figure if, if they miss inside with a fastball to this kid, it's going to be runs for us. That, that's just kind of how it feels. And sometimes he misses, but more times than not, he really connects. And, uh, again, 7 for 17 on the week, and uh, excited to kind of see him get going again because he, he is a guy that has an unbelievable amount of confidence. And uh, we asked him you know, a couple of weeks ago, hey, you know, listen – are you surprised by your power numbers? And he goes, no. He goes, this is the job I'm supposed to do. This is why I'm here. I'm supposed to do these things. And I'm glad that one of this, one thing about Justin Foskey that I, I kind of really appreciate is there are some people in life, and there are a ton of them, there are probably more people in life that say, well, you know, you know, I did my best. And really, that's just an excuse for, well, I didn't succeed, but I gave a decent effort. And then there are other people that say, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to do my best. I'm going to do what's required. I'm going to do what is expected of me. And that's where Justin Foscue is. Justin Foscue is putting this line up to protect Elijah McNamee, and he is doing that. Elijah McNamee, it's incredible, still leading the team in walks as your cleanup hitter. I guess what, 27 walks now. It's incredible. 27 walks for a cleanup hitter. And uh, if you walk McNamee, then you're putting Justin Foscue in a situation where he is hitting against your pitcher in the stretch. And I don't care who you are or where you're from, everybody is a different pitcher in the stretch. No doubt about it. Foscue's taking advantage. Rowdy Jordan, 7 of 15 last week. And again, remember, Rowdy Jordan and Tanner Allen, here a couple weeks ago, uh, they were really struggling. Rowdy came, kind of turned it around at Sanford, And it's been pretty hot since then. Uh, but uh, big numbers. From, and from the left-hand side of the plate, that's where a lot of this damage is being done. Uh, Dustin Skeleton 4-14 four uh, last week. We did have Marshall Gilbert go 3-6, and, and Marshall looks to be a guy that uh, might be playing his way into the everyday third baseman uh, position. And One of the things that I want to share about that is that opportunity has opened up because of the fact that we've moved Justin Foske to second base. Now, Foske put on about 15 to 20 pounds of good weight in the offseason because he expected to be a corner infielder. We have moved him to second base, and for some strange reason, it's all started to click. Just making that move, even even when Gunnar Holtress played third, now you've got Marshall Gilbert. Marshall Gilbert made a couple of big plays yesterday. But it just seems that moving Foscu to second has kind of s- solidified things on the middle infield. It's, it's amazing. One error on the week last week. One. One error on the week. The week, not the weekend, the whole week. We had one error. We used to have an error of ball game. We used to could not even get out of the first inning without booting the ball around. And what's amazing to me is that moving 5 skew to second has made things better for Jordan Westbrook. Jordan Westbrook played the best baseball defensively of his time at Mississippi State. He made a couple plays on yesterday. One of them, just an absolute wizard of a play. No business making that play. You know, takes a a line shot on the short hop and then turns around and quickly fires to first and throws an absolute strike. It's just one of those things. It's like we talked about the defensive piece of this puzzle. And one of the things I said on the show, is we've got to be patient. We're kind of trading, you know, some, some offense for defense here. We're kind of giving up a little bit on the defensive side to make sure we've got some production offensively. But now it's beginning to kind of solidify. And granted, it's just one week. But it is better and is a step in the right direction. And so, what I want to you know, kind of tip of the cap to Coach Chris Lamonis, you know, he was not oblivious to what was going on out there. Because here's what happens, and you guys know this a college game is much different than a pro game. You're not going to have pitchers go seven, eight innings very often in college because of the fact they're not nearly as efficient as pitchers. You know, pros can get you to swing at their pitch and not really work the count and then have you uh, get yourself out, you know. Two and three pitch of bats. They're, you know strikeouts are not efficient, and 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 that's a, one of the thing's we see these big numbers in strikeouts, and you and you love the strikeouts, but uh, when you can pitch the contact that allows the defense to play, it's gonna you know aid in the longevity of a pitcher. It's gonna give them longer outings. I mean, like if you say Ethan Small goes six innings, JT again goes four, um, you know. So it's one of those deals. You know, I think I guess what uh, Peyton went five, maybe a five. And so you're going to have to depend on your bullpen. But when you can have some quick innings, when you can have some 10-pitch or less innings, then those five and six inning starts become seven or eight. But what happens is when you're out there booting the baseball around, it's more wear and tear on your pitcher, which is more wear and tear on your bullpen, which means when you get in the weekends, your options are a little more limited. And so, you know, bad defense affects everything. It puts more pressure on your offense, more pressure on your pitcher. It stresses the entire staff. And so now all of a sudden it's incredible how much better the pitching has got because of the fact that we're playing good defense. Uh, I, I like the move. When, when they, they talk about moving Foskew to second, I worried a little bit about was he quick twitch enough with the extra weight. Would he be able to handle that? You know, uh, one of the things, we got a little spoiled, guys, with, uh, with Brett Pirtle and Hunter Stovall over there at second. And it's, it's almost one of those things we take for granted when you think about the range those guys have and I don't know that anybody ever had better range than Hunter Stovall his first step that, and, that, and that's why he got drafted I would love to have had him back this year but the bottom line is this is that we've kind of taken for granted because we've been blessed with some really good second basemen over the years you know Burke Masters, Jeffrey Ray uh, Brett Purtle, and uh, you know, you, you could make the argument that Brett Purtle might be the best second baseman we've ever had but then you look at what Hunter Stovall's done the last couple of years and you begin to think okay listen That was great. But how many plays, how many balls back up the middle that Hunter Stovall run down that would have been surefire singles that he kept people off the base because he was so quick twitch and had that explosive first step back up the middle? I don't think we've had that. And I don't know that Justin Foscue has that in his skill set. But I do know this. I do know that he is making all of the routine plays. And he has now begun to make some of the more difficult plays. And as a result, the entire team is better. The entire team is better. And Lamona said... On Friday, that uh, you know, he he was the one that kind of fought that move. He simply felt like Foskey was playing well enough at third, that uh, didn't want to disrupt it. Then all of a sudden, you make the move that you're reluctant to make, and everything in your life gets better. Outstanding, outstanding effort uh, defensively. And another thing that I want to point out too, and um, I think it kind of gets lost a little bit in, the, in in sometimes, but Dustin Skelton is playing the best baseball of his Mississippi State career. This time last year, there were some people ready to run Dustin Skelton off. And they were. And I remember Mike Nemeth and I have had this discussion many times. I, you know, the, the deal with, with Skelton was one of those things where he kind of wanted to jab at the baseball rather than kind of getting behind the ball and kind of rounding it off and taking the ball off his chest and keeping it in front. He, I'm, not, I'm not saying that he's mastered the skill, but that that's a part of his repertoire now that is so much more reliable than it was. And his pop time is incredible. There are times, guys, that and, and if you're not there to see it live, maybe you can't fully appreciate it. There are times that he'll get a fastball, like a little two-seam action kind of going away from that left-handed hitter and gives him a clean lane to throw in. And when he comes out of the chutes and he throws it, you begin to think, will the guy at second even slide? And we had a situation yesterday that had to be a situation where the runner must have felt like he had a full count, takes off early, and, and Skelton guns him out, and the kid's out by 10 feet. But I'm in a situation now because of the fact that Westberg is so dependable on the other end of this deal and that Skelton gets out of the chute so quickly and gets the ball down there. That pop time is incredible. That m- m- More times than not, I expect anybody taking seconds going to get gunned down. And, and I think that gets kind of lost. And we talk about, hey, we're doing so well offensively and we're doing so great. The pitching is so much better. We finally have got some guys that are reliable on weekends and we feel like that we can be competitive in every ball game. And uh, we forget about the guy in the back. And uh, talking to some of our, our young pitchers, they'll, they'll tell you, there are some times that Dustin Skelton can kind of will a strike out of them. That because he is such a good receiver – that he can almost just kind of pull that ball in, kind of pull the reins in, kind of give them some confidence, kind of settle them down a little bit. And uh, Ethan Small will tell you, you know, what a great job Dustin does back then the confidence that he has being able to throw his breaking ball, to know that, you know what, if I, if I do get it in the dirt, and sometimes i got to bounce one up there just to kind of change an eye level and kind of keep things honest, see if I can't get a guy to chase. If you don't have confidence in the guy behind you, you're not going to have the confidence to throw that pitch and execute it at its full velocity. Dustin Skelton is changing the game. Dustin Skelton is changing the way that our pitchers can pitch because he has improved the quality of his play. So as a result, there is a level of trust there that maybe wasn't always there. Teammates are, going to talk, are not going to talk neg- ne- negatively about each other in the media. It's not going to happen. Not at the college level. It doesn't work that way. But I can tell you, speaking privately with some people, there is a discernible difference and the way that Dustin Skelton has played. And listen, you, you expect that as a junior. He's a junior now, okay? So you expect him to be playing up to SEC standards and to be, you know, a player they can depend on. But sometimes I think we kind of overlooked that. There were times last year there were some pass balls and you looked at and there were, there were some that were wild pitches that, um, you know, maybe the, the, the scorekeeper, you know, thought the catcher should have got in front of. But the bottom line is this. If there were a lot of balls going to the screen last year that aren't going this year. Still happens on occasion, and that's that's baseball. That's baseball. But uh, the bottom line is this: is that this is a good baseball team. And one of the things that I get tired of, and and I'm I'm already beyond the point of being tired. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I can't go to sleep. You ever been that? You've been so overtired you couldn't even get rest. That's kind of where I am with this. I'm really, 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 really tired of people doubting the Mississippi State Bulldogs. I'm, ty- I'm, I'm exhausted, okay, because here's, here's the deal. We got off to a good start, and granted, we didn't play a lot of great teams in a non-conference early on. That's the reality of things. Then we get ready to go to Frisco, and then there were some people that said, well, I hope we can just go out there and win a game. And the only thing that kept us from winning three games out there is the fact they canceled the Sunday game, Right? And you can back up a weekend before that. Or some, some of our fans, I'll lose, use the lowercase f, some of our fans were expecting us to lose the series this other Miss. Oh, you remember what happened last year? Yeah, it's a different team. It's a different mindset. People forget. It's a different day. Not to mention the fact, too, that you know, you got some leadership on this team that they understood what, what that series meant. And, again, you're a swing away from winning that whole series. I mean, for sweeping a series, you win two out of three. And then we get into conference play, and uh, we're getting ready to go on the road to Florida. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little worried about going down there, but I felt like we could win the series. I felt like, you know, with Ethan and JT going, you got a chance to go, and we'll figure it out on Sunday. And so we go down there, and we win that series. And listen, Florida's not as good as, everybody, as Kendall Rogers and them told us they were going to be. I think most of us that, that kind of follow college baseball and don't have a lot of friends, I, you know, there's, I don't owe anybody at Florida anything. I don't need any access at Florida other than a media credential. You understand what I'm saying? I don't need anybody to give me any insight into their team. I don't have to write a preseason preview about the Florida Gators. So I'm not friends with anybody at Florida Gators. I don't need I don't need access. I'm not going to trade good coverage for access. But the reality of things, and the bottom line is, is that uh, your team's playing well. And there's so many people out there that just thought, you know what, this team is a uh, you know, they, were, they we were picked sixth in the SEC West. What did they thinking for a second? Sixth, and and we kind of snickered when that came out. You know, we, and then we got down Florida and we win two out of three down there, right? And then the first thing the next well, you know, Auburn's got the number one pitching staff in the country, and they come in here and we take two out of three and should have swept that series too. We blew the Friday night game, if you recall, blew it. And then we stumble against OSU which is almost an annual rite of passage for Mississippi State baseball team, and I get tired of that too. But I've kind of learned to, uh, we've got to overcome it, find a way to get through it. Then we go to Tennessee, who had the top BRA in the country at one time, and we take two out of three from them, and then they turn around this weekend and take two out of three from Georgia, who was ranked number two in the country. And kind of looking around the league, let's let's give that a second, because I want to finish this point here. And then we sweep Alabama. We do what we're supposed to do when we're back ranking in the top five. But here's the deal. We've navigated through all that, right? We've won a couple of big series on the road, which is difficult to win on the road in the SEC. We've done that. We got a tough road series this weekend. But now everybody's like, well, yeah, I know, but now we got to go to Arkansas, and then we get Georgia in here, and we you know, we got to go to A&M, and then we got to go to Ole Miss. And maybe we can beat South Carolina. You know, why don't we just enjoy the journey? Why don't Instead of us forecasting failure, and there are enough people in the Mississippi State media that will do that for you, I'm not one of those people. I'm also not a Pollyanna. I understand how difficult it is to win on the road. We've got to find a way to go win two out of three against Arkansas to stay in the race for the SEC championship. And you know what? Because of the fact that our schedule is not as favorable as some other people, You know, we might come up a game or two short of winning the SEC. We may win the West. But we may come up a game or two short because I think the teams in the East have it a little bit easier. But that said, the East was pretty strong this weekend. But instead of us worrying about what's gonna happen at the end of the year, let's worry about this week. And it's okay for us to get caught up. I'm not trying to say that our that our emotions or our feelings impact the game. But let's enjoy the season. Let's enjoy the fact that at the midway point in the SEC schedule, your Mississippi State Bulldogs are tied for first place at 10-5 and five record. 10-5, and 31-6, best start since 1989. And that is the greatest Mississippi State team of all time, the 89 team. and This is the best start since then. And remember, we've been to Omaha a few times since 89. And this is the best start. 37 games since 1989. But that 89 team went on a tear. And there are a lot of people back then that weren't quite sold on that team. That's one of the things that's so funny when you begin to think about all that stuff. There are so many things that, you know, we have such a revisionist history about stuff. And and so I want to bring some actual facts before we finish up the baseball segment of the show. Let's take a look back at that 1989 team. Just because of the fact that, you know, I am sure... In those days even though that we went 54 and 14 and won the southeastern conference there were a lot of people then that were uh, you know trying to go ahead and get ahead of the misery you know what I'm saying and just so they could lay the groundwork to come back later and say I told you so I told you we weren't that good So here we go so we begin the year winning 3 and then we lose that mayor's trophy game to Ole Miss uh 7 to 8 which we should never do and then we turn right back around, and we travel to Louisiana Tech, and we split a midweek deal with them. They beat us fourteen to seven on a Tuesday night, right? <laughs> then we, uh, you know, we go in a little bit of a tear, and then we make that trip out to Hawaii, Hilo, and they beat us three to two. We we, we bounce back and won a few games down there. Then we lose to Hawaii. Also, it was a five-game series. We win three of the five. We lose. We split with Hawaii, Hilo, and win uh, one of three against. Uh, problem two or three against away, come back we do pretty well. We knock off Auburn. We lose to Ole Miss again and Jackson. What do you know? Lose Jackson to Ole Miss again. Uh, wouldn't be able to live with that, but we did. We beat the Jackson Mets. Does you remember us playing that ball game? Uh, we lose at Southern Miss. We split a midweek series with them. Lose down there. We lose uh, the Sunday game, 19 to 9 at LSU. You remember that one? I, I remember that. We lose on the road to Kentucky, win that series, but we lose that one. Then we, we then we come home, right? We have an opportunity to kind of you know hammer this thing down and win the SEC in style, which we, we did win. But we lost that final home series to Alabama, uh, two to th- two out of three. We get beat 15 to eight on Friday night. We win Saturday and lose five to four on Sunday. We went into the SEC tournament that year. We lose to Auburn. We beat Alabama, then we lose to Georgia, and we're eliminated in uh, in the SEC tournament. And then we ended up playing Jackson State, which is weird. <laughs> it's so crazy. Uh, but we did play Jackson State after the SEC tournament in Gainesville that year, and then had the uh, three-game sweep of Eastern Kentucky. And then we then we had the regional here, and uh, that's back when we didn't have the super regional format. And uh, you recall some painful losses. We lose North Carolina, but we beat Western Carolina, and Nickel State. Lose North Carolina, get in the loser's bracket, battle our way back. We beat Carolina six, so all we got to do is win one more, and we're headed back to Omaha, and we get beat 7 1. Could do absolutely nothing in that game. James Stoden was his name. I know that's a, that's a sore subject for many people that remember all that, but that's the reality of it. But I think we lost some games to teams that we were better. We win in 85, and that's that's the, you know, that's. The argument is 89 or 85 right that's that's the better team well in 85 we lose two out of three on the road at lsu uh, we dropped a game to alabama we dropped a game at old miss we did win that series and then we um we go back out to hawaii again remember that deal we go back out to hawaii and we we, we take four or five then we get swept at auburn think about that it's great as clark and palmero and those guys are they, they go to auburn and get swept and you may not this this may sting a little bit, but I think it's important to note in 1985 Will Clark, Rafael Palmero, Jeff Brantley, Bobby Thigpen, Gator, Thiessen, Dan Van Cleve, the whole crew. They lose to Mississippi College 7 to 5 in Jackson, Mississippi. We lost to the the greatest team in many people's eyes, the 85 team loses to Mississippi College. Then we go on a little bit of a tear there, and then we lose, uh, we lose one at Alabama. Uh, we lose at Arkansas, in Little Rock. We did sweep Ole Miss. Then we come back, and we, uh, we, we sweep through the SEC tournament. We go to the regional, and then we go to Omaha. But we lose to Mississippi College. Can you imagine if we lost to Mississippi College today? And in hindsight, it seems so silly because, you know, now you know, NAI schools and all can't play uh Division One teams. And you don't play Division Three teams, that sort of thing anymore. That didn't happen anymore. But Mississippi College beat Clark and Palmero. Don't know who pitched that day. Dave America probably tell you. Probably still got the box score. But we lost to Mississippi College. And so I say that to say this is that as great as those years were, the greatest years of our memory, we still had some losses that are somewhat dubious. And now here we are this year. You know, the first team in Division One baseball to thirty wins. We're thirty one and six, ranked number two in the country, and tied at a ten and five record first in a southeastern conference with Georgia. But yet we still have some non believers out there. And and I and I asked myself why 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 do you follow this if you're just waiting for us to fall? If there's never any enjoyment in following Mississippi State baseball, then why do it? Why do it? We've got the grandest baseball stadium in all of college baseball. Our team is performing up to expectations. And, they were listen, there were many people. As soon as football season was over, there were some people, and I know they love Mississippi State, even though at times their affection is somewhat misguided, right? Um, they're like, you know what? Hey, Lamontis better be a good hire, or we're going to be Oliver John Cohen. We're going to be all over John Cohen, like silk on corn. That's what we're going to be. And I think it's pretty safe to say that Chris Lamonis knows how to manage a baseball team. And there's really only been one game I look at, and I say we got beat. And you could maybe argue, too, both of those games against LSU. I think you could argue that every other game we should have won. LSU beat us. And that's probably what stings the most. You know what I'm saying? Is it what it really wasn't within our hands? They were just simply better that weekend. But looking around the league, before we get out of that, before we move on from, from baseball... I could talk about baseball all day. I love Mississippi State baseball. I love it. Absolutely love it. So Tennessee takes down Georgia two out of three. And I, I shared last week that I thought that Tennessee series win would look better in hindsight. I didn't think it would be a week later. I really thought Georgia would get them. And we were hoping to kind of pick up a game on Georgia. We pick up both games. So now we're even at the midway point. We control our own destiny to win this thing. Kentucky takes down Ole Miss two out of three. They've had two seven inning games on Sunday. Uh, a bit of a surprise. I mean, I think we could all kind of concede that Kentucky is the worst team. So now you could make the argument that uh, Ole Miss has now lost two out of three to the two worst teams in the league, being Missouri and Kentucky, even though Missouri is playing well as of late. And Vandy takes two out of three from Arkansas. Arkansas needed five in the ninth inning to move ahead in that ball game, and then gave up a couple runs uh, in the ninth there. Uh, so Vandy takes two of three at home against Arkansas. Bomb stadium's a tough place to go play. Okay, so we're going to have to go up there and get ready to go. Uh, need to go up there and win that series. And I mentioned Missouri takes two of three from LSU. LSU needed a walk-off. Pardon me, I guess that game played at Missouri. But LSU wins, I think, in 11 or 12 innings. And so Missouri is basically a pitch away from sweeping LSU. I'm not sold on this LSU team. I'm not sold on this Ole Miss team either. I don't think Ole Miss is very good. I know they're a game behind us right now, but the easy part of their schedule is over. Uh, Florida takes two out of three from South Carolina, and uh, we get South Carolina that, that last weekend. I know we're looking forward to that. We, we've got to get a sweep somewhere else. You know, it's, In order to win the SEC, you've got to put together two or three sweeps. Uh, that's one I think we're looking at right now. We've got a chance to, good chance to get that one. Of course, State takes three from Alabama, and AM and m wins uh, two out of three against Auburn. So the remaining schedule for Mississippi State, we talk about what we've got coming up. Uh, The bottom line is this, is we have got to go play our best baseball down the stretch. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I think we're kind of figuring some things out. While other people are kind of scurrying a little bit, I think we've kind of figured some things out. So so Tuesday is our next opportunity to get together. And we're running out of midweek games. While I have not received official confirmation because we don't have a signed contract yet, we will be adding Louisiana Tech, barring something unforeseen as a midweek game later in in the schedule. As it stands right now, the only midweek games left are Tuesday, 6.30 against Texas Southern. The following Tuesday, we head down to Trustmark Park and take on Ole Miss and the uh, the Governor's Trophy game. And then we skip all the way to May 8th to play Memphis. And that's it. That's all we have left. And again, we will add Louisiana Tech in there uh, at some point. And uh, that'll be here. And so... Right now, currently three scheduled midweek games remaining on the schedule. We will add a fourth to make up for that ball game that we missed against Nebraska to get us right back up. And at that, and that Louisiana Tech, that's, that's an RPI win. Those guys are doing well in RPI. And so that's a good non-conference add if we can, if we can make that happen. And there's no reason to think that, it, that that won't happen. But, again, Texas Southern, 630 first pitch. Will probably be a Johnny Holstaff game. I, yeah, I don't know if we start Egan again or Eric Sarantola, but they'll, they'll figure all of that out. And then uh, on on Thursday we'll hit the road to Fayetteville, and I will be there with them. And so I am going to do my best to remember to bring my headset with me, so we can record the Boneyard Friday morning. We'll have plenty of time because that's going to be a primetime game Friday at six thirty. So we're on ESPNU Thursday, and then it'll be a Network Plus games on uh, Friday and Saturday. And so then I will uh, I'll hurry back uh, to be with my family on on Easter. But I'm looking forward to going up to Fayetteville. And, uh, and taking in the experience. I haven't missed a road game yet. I haven't missed one yet. And uh, looking forward to this one. And then, uh, then we'll deal with next week as we get into it. But uh, a big week and a chance again for Mississippi State to kind of make a statement this weekend. Arkansas still has a lot of respect. And even though I felt they were a little bit overrated heading into the season, uh, State has an opportunity to go win a, a big series. Arkansas will be a regional team somewhere. Uh, so that's kind of where we are with all this. Now let's get into spring football. That's uh, – a big thing over the weekend, and uh, the first thing that I will tell you, having a chance to watch that, th- what what bothers me is not the play of Keeton Thompson. I thought Keeton played pretty well, especially once he got through uh, you know the first couple of series. I thought he played pretty well. Maroon wins fifty to ten uh, in the ball game. He just played the two quarters, but what what we expected to see for the most part, Keeton hurt by a couple of drops early on. Does a couple of really nice passes, and Stephen Gidry and Farad Green dropped those passes. And uh, and then immediately, people begin. Well, here we go again. And I get it. I, I understand it. it. It doesn't bother me right? because that's got to get better. That's got to change. Uh, so running through the numbers here uh, for the Maroon team, Colin Hill was Colin Hill. Nine carries, forty-seven yards, and a touchdown along a fifteen, averaging five point two yards a carry. Uh, if we can get that out of him, then that's fine with me. We'll just continue to run the football with him. Nick Gibson solid effort for him. Eight carries, 35 yards, a pair of touchdowns long of 10. Nick is going to be a great complimentary back. And uh, he is a guy that I have been high on throughout the process. But it's one of those things, too, that he kind of struggled with the other aspects of his game, you know, kind of the blitz pickups and all that kind of stuff. And so when you put him in the game, you kind of knew it was going to be a running play. But uh, what I keep hearing is he has improved his game as a receiver. Keaton, uh, three carries, 15 yards. And of course, you know, he's not live there. And so, uh now you can't really judge a lot from that. Uh Keaton nine of eighteen for hundred and six yards and three touchdowns. And a lot of this was situational. But uh if if memory serves me correct, he had three drops in the game and then he had a throwaway in the game. And so you take the throwaway away, but you're you're looking, you know, hey, if you if you woke up today and say, Hey, Keaton was uh twelve of eighteen for hundred and fifty yards, you'd feel pretty good about that. And that and that's really the way that I look at it. I I don't feel Negatively about Keaton Thompson. I thought Keaton played pretty well. Um, Devontae Jason was the leading receiver from Maroon with two catches, 31 yards. That connection between uh, Wap and Keaton, I think, will be big for both of them because I, they already have a relationship. There is a trust factor there. I believe as a result, you're going to see Wop have a better year, and we need him to. Nobody looks better in a uniform than Wop. And uh, I asked some people practice, I said, hey, what do you think? Is, is he going to pan out? Is he going to have a big year this year? And it's enough to have a big year, but I think he'll be okay. I think he's going to be a good player for us, and I think that he'll, he'll begin to develop. Osiris Mitchell, just a couple of grabs there. But uh, Osiris, again, one of the highlights of all spring camp so far. Uh, they'll have the cleanup scrimmage, I guess, Tuesday. I don't know if we're going to have access to any of that. Uh, Austin Williams with a couple of touchdowns, and he's kind of been the spring game hero when the time he's been here. Now it's it's a matter of him putting it together. But if you'll notice, if you go look at Austin Williams' statistic last, last year, most of the touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, all the touchdowns he caught were from uh, Keaton They save one. But he had some good uh, rapport with Keaton. And uh, Jaquarius Spivey with the one big grab for 25 yards. I like this tight end group. I like Farad Green as a blocker better than I do Kumbust and Spivey at this point. And I believe Spivey or Kumbust are better blockers. And, and you know, Kumbust played baseball this weekend. And uh, so that's part of the deal. That's a real game. That game counts in the standings. But um, that personnel group is going to be a lot different with Cumbus out there, and you'll have them. He will be a guy that you can count on in the fall. Uh, on the white side of things, offensively, Alec Murphy, and it makes sense to move Alec back from linebacker to running back. We have depth concerns there. He's a guy that knows the position. He understands, you know, how to read the plays. He's an offensive-minded guy. We signed him to play running back, and uh, my hope is you know, he can be a solid three for us. And, and sometimes he's almost a forgotten man. But there are a lot of people that would have transferred under different circumstances. You know, and Alec Murphy's a guy that is hung in here with us. It'd be nice to see him, uh, you know, be a, even if he's a guy that comes in and is, uh, you know, kind of your, um, your, your guy that salts away a game late, you know, and kind of eats up some casualty uh, carries, you know what I'm saying, like to save some wear and tear on Kylan. If that's his job, then I think then he has certainly uh, earned, uh, you know, his scholarship money because we're going to need that this year. I think we're going to be much more of a run-oriented team via the running back position. And so any anytime that we can save some wear and tear on Cowan is going to be advantageous for the entire team. Uh, Garrett Schrader, 3 of 9 with a pick, uh, 30 yards. And there are a lot of people that are expecting big things from Garrett. I am too, but not this year. I think Garrett is probably a year or two away from truly competing uh, for the job. And that's really got nothing to do with his physical acumen. I think it's just a matter of him kind of figuring this thing out. Going to be a good player for us. Uh, Jaylen Maiden, 3 of 4, 14 yards. Logan Burnett got in the game. Had a pass zero for one. Um, you know this Cameron Gardner kid. He had one catch for eleven yards. Starville High School guy, and we thought he was going to grow into a flex tight end, and uh, that hasn't been the case. But he has kind of he's been a guy that has drawn some praise in spring camp, and so that's one to kind of remember. To really more of a possession guy. I don't see him as a big play guy. That's going to hurt you in the deep third, or a guy that's going to blow the top off defense. But I think he is a guy that um, you know could be a sure-handed guy. He did a good job at uh, at Mississippi State. Did a good job last year as a redshirt guy. And that uh, reminds me a little bit of Osiris Mitchell. May not have the same you know verticality because Osiris is a guy, a former basketball guy that understands how to elevate. That's, that's one of the things that I love the most about Osiris Mitchell is his ability to elevate. Uh, but I think uh, Cam is a guy just to kind of watch as we get into this thing. And uh, looking at the um, defensive statistics, uh, Aaron Brûle really flashed you know, for the white team, had to pick six, and uh, led them with tackles. He was the guy last year. A lot of other people were talking, you know, Nathaniel Watson. They call him Buki. So when you see – it's funny to hear, Bob, Sheep call these kids by their nicknames. But when they say Buki, they're talking Nathaniel Watson. But Aaron Brulé is a guy that Tim Luka who told me he thought had an opportunity to be a star. And Tim likes all those young linebackers. And, of course, Tim has kind of moved on now. But I'm interested to see what Marvel do with these guys. But uh, Brulé is a guy that really flashed. I think that he's a guy – uh, that is going to be a big-time player. Uh, Watson did have three tackles uh, for us. And so when you look at linebackers, you feel pretty good about what you have right now. I don't know if you saw over the weekend, Errol Thompson named defensive captain, Darrell Williams' offensive captain. I, I, I could have called that. I, didn't, I really felt like that was the case. But um, you know, it, it's all kind of spread around. Uh, but when you see linebackers that they're making plays, that, that that excites me because I know what we have for this year. I'm worried about what we have for next year. What if Willie Gay goes pro this year or Errol Thompson? I don't. I think Errol will be back, but what if they go pro and then you lose Washington, Lewis, Shamar Kilby? Your depth chart could be in trouble in a big hurry. So these young guys, Jet Johnson, uh, Nathaniel Watson, Aaron Brulette, those guys have got to step up and make plays this year. They've got to make themselves known, and I believe we saw a little bit of that in the spring game. And uh, Fred Peters didn't do a whole lot, uh, but he was real active out there. Only gotten a box score once, but uh, you know, kind of excited about what he can bring to the table. Marquis Spencer with uh, with three tackles and uh, one of those for loss. It, he, I'm glad that he's back. I, we, I really believe we would have wasted a year had we not redshirted him. And you recall when he showed up here, he was just 17 years of age, and we had him playing as a true freshman in the Southeastern Conference, playing as a true freshman. And so now he's got that year back, and he's healthy again. Uh, I expect a big year from him. Lee Autry of course with three big tackles. Love Lovett with three. That's encouraging to see those guys on the interior begin to kinda of make some plays. Still uh, you know, a work in progress there. There is some discussion about a spring and a grad transfer D tackle. Everybody's kind of mum about that. And I suspect when we find out it'll probably be when he signs. And 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 to to anybody else's credit, it's probably smart not to leak you that information because as soon as it gets out there then everybody else is like, Oh, we forgot about this kid, let's go get him. You gotta work a little harder to get him. The bottom line is that State needs a guy to come in here and be a stopgap guy and be ready to go. But uh, good to see these young guys step up. You know, Cam Young is a guy that uh, we, we think has the potential to be a really good player for us. Uh, still excited about the secondary. But those guys are running around making plays. But uh, a lot of people played. A lot of people got up there and made some made some plays. But it was really kind of a, a vanilla game, and, and as spring games should be. Uh, there's so much that goes into these things, and it's really a matter of your goal each spring – Number One is to get through healthy. number two is to settle some position battles and then implement your system and I believe Mississippi state for the most part, has done that there are some some battles that will continue into fall camp as they should uh but the bottom line is any any spring that you can get through successfully health wise and implementation wise is a good spring you know we're not we're not trying to we're not going to beat Alabama in the spring right now we're trying to get Mississippi state ready to go play. In the fall. So, uh, Joe Moorhead, very complimentary with his comments uh, of the team about their effort and um, difficult circumstances on Saturday. There was some discussion about maybe not even playing the game indoors and kind of moving to Palmero, and I'm I'm glad the the rain held off long enough for us to kind of get the game in. But uh, Paul Jones and David Murray covered the game for us at Gene's Page, and you can go read. You know, Paul's got his takeaways, and, and David's got the Q&A with more. You can go read every bit of that over on Gene's page. And if you're not a member, you, you darn well should be. Uh, so we encourage you to go check that out. So now f- football practice is over. There will be one on Tuesday. I don't know if we're going to have availability, but there will be one on Tuesday just kind of cleaning up uh, things from uh, the spring game and kind of closing that on a high note and then getting that over. And today is also the first day of the spring evaluation period. It's tax day. Uh, For many of us, and especially for people like us would have to pay, it's a day that we don't look forward to. But the bottom line is, for recruiting, this is a big day because your coaches are now on the road. Spring evaluation period is open for the next six weeks, and uh, they will use some of those days. They won't have all of them. They have some evaluation days they can utilize and get out and go check out these players and see them in person and see them in spring practice sessions and go to spring games and that sort of stuff. The spring semester will be over before you know it. Uh, we're basically, what, six weeks away, uh, you know, from the uh, the end of spring and the end of that spring semester. And, uh, you know, graduations will be getting here, and so these guys are going to be finishing up their academic requirements to be able to transfer in uh, and to be able to uh, pass the NCAA Clearinghouse and join the Mississippi State program in the fall. And then you've got these juniors around here that are kind of grinding through and kind of pushing through, and coaches are out there kind of looking. There will be a lot of new offers. So if you're on Twitter, there will be a lot of retweets from me and Paul about guys that are just getting offers from Mississippi State. And for some of those names, it'll be the only time you ever hear them. That's just kind of how it works. I mean, you offer a lot more kids than you can ever sign. But uh, it's an exciting time. That'll be the kind of the bulk of our coverage here over the course of the next two months is spring evaluation stuff, spring football stuff uh, on the high school level, and then college baseball. And so we hope that uh, you will join us over on uh, jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for the 247 Sports Network we be back on Wednesday. We'll recap what happened on Tuesday and kind of preview what to expect as we make that trip to Fayetteville. And uh, yeah, a lot can happen between now and then. I mean, it's just, you know, that's the thing. It, it begins to slow down a little bit because we don't have, you know, the rush of women's and men's basketball. that That's over us. But now we turn, you know, our full focus for in-game coverage over uh, to baseball. We'll have some softball stuff here and there. But baseball is a big part of what we do, and we are a baseball school And as you guys are aware, uh, Jake Mangum now eight hits away from tying Eddie Furness for the SEC career hits lead. And uh, if Jake stays healthy, uh, there's a good chance he gets that this week. But, you know, we thought last week it was kind of a little bit of a stretch. But uh, just the five hits last week. But uh, if you know Jake, you know Jake will come out ready to go. Uh, Jake Mangum, one of the most consistent players we have ever had, wear the, the maroon and white uniform. So we expect big things from him this week. Could be a historic week, not just for Mississippi State, but for for baseball college baseball as a whole, and certainly in the Southeastern Conference. But until next time, it's all live our lives and a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.